Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, we're talking baseball. Kind of whenever I'm your host, Christiana, over there across from me, as you cannot, no, to the left of me, as you cannot <laughs> see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing well today. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> that's... Feel, Sometimes it feels like I'm kind of just making stuff up to say for this part. Yeah, no, no. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. We're talking about baseball today, believe it or not. We are talking baseball. Um, we're fully done with uh, classes. Yeah, in, in I just the... finished my last final. Yep, yep, me too. Um, done with 16th grade. Yes. It's <laughs> a good way of putting it. Uh, yeah, I have thought about it like that before. And, yeah, there were, you know, our, our window, my, my bedroom window, your bedroom window also looks outside to the... S- Springfield College Senior Green, and it looks like they're setting up for Senior Week, which is fun. Yeah, good stuff. We'll see. We'll see how uh, how this week goes. Um, it will not stop the pod though, no. uh, as we keep rolling here. We have some baseball news to talk about. Teams, you know, kind of at this point, we we talk about team trends, and uh, probably the worst team trend uh, that we haven't talked about yet is uh, is the Mets in their last fourteen games. They have lost 11 out of 14. Um, that is good for the second worst record in the MLB in that span. And it and they also have the worst Pythagorean win-loss, uh, meaning they basically have the uh, worst run differential um, in, this, uh, in this span here. Um, what are you thinking about this uh, horrible stretch for the, for the Mets? I mean, it's it feels not surprising given the way that a lot of their season has gone. There you have the second lowest pitcher F4 in the league throughout the entire year. They're at minus 0.1. The pitching leader in F4 is David Robertson, uh, and he has doubled the the second best, which is Drew Smith. The best starter that they have by F4 is Kodai Senga at 0.1. Like, Serger has struggled this year. Verlander did not look good in his one start. Carrasco has been struggling. He has an even strikeout to walk ratio. That's extremely problematic. Um, yeah, I mean the the pitching just has not been getting it done for the Mets. Uh, and I know you spe- you mentioned or you are going to mention specifically lately they haven't been get to getting it done either. But it's definitely been a season long thing. Yeah, as yeah as you mentioned, um, pitching not looking not looking great for the Mets. Uh, and it and yeah, in this fourteen game span, their pitchers have the second worst ERA and the third worst FIP uh, in all of baseball. I believe they have a, a flat six ERA in their last fourteen games. Um, if you want to go individually, uh, David Peterson uh, has eleven earned runs allowed in ten innings pitched in the span. Tyler McGill has three starts in which he has a six two eight ERA and a four nine six FIP. Uh, Max Scherzer in his one start back from the suspension uh, allowed six earned runs in three and a third innings pitched, and uh, and yeah, offensively too, not looking great uh, as you as you uh, pointed out uh, before recording. Eighty-five weighted runs created plus in this span, also the second least amount of runs scored um, 
in their last uh, 14 games. And then individually with that, Starling Marte has a 434 OPS. You know, that's a guy who they want, you know, as a reliable outfielder to put up at least average offense along with, you know, his base running and defensive skills. Um, and he's, you know, he hasn't been able to do that lately. And then uh, potentially their biggest bat, Pete Alonso, has also been struggling over the last 14 games, uh, 458 OPS from him. So, you know, after having a really, really good, um, you know, first few weeks where he was just hitting home runs all over the place, he's kind of come back to, down to earth and uh, the offense is is taking a toll because of it. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the perfect way of putting it. Um Looking at their pitching specifically in this span, I mentioned, uh, you know, like Serger has struggled. Uh, you know, he has a, I mean, he obviously he's only made one start uh, because this was after the uh, incident with Phil Cuzzy where he got suspended. But, uh, you know, he did not look good in his one start, which I believe was against the Tigers. Uh, very funny seeing Verlander and Serger pitching against the Tigers in the same yeah. series. Um, yeah, I mean, their offense looked like they never left. Yeah, 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 right, yep. Um, yeah, the the Mets, it's weird, like, this whole season, I know that they had a decent stretch against some, I guess, worse teams, but it seems like they've, it's been sort of a start and stop process, or like, or maybe they just haven't gotten started, because, you know, you start off, opening day, it's announced that, you know, Justin Verlander, he's, He's out for a couple weeks. You also had Edwin Diaz, that whole thing go down. Yeah, the whole Edwin Diaz thing was very detrimental. Even even if it's not, you know, roster wise, like yeah, I mean, I don't think it, I don't think this team would be much better with Edwin Diaz right now, anyway. Right, but you know, just just morality wise, it, it's not great to have that happen. You know, right before the season starts, uh, and then yeah, the whole Max Scherzer thing that was a big thing in the news, uh, and it also you know obviously takes away from two starts from him um and or maybe even uh two and a half because you know he got pulled in the middle of this of that yeah. game um so yeah like i just energy wise it just seems kind of off because they just haven't they haven't been able to be the mets that they kind of signed up to be before the season started they are striking guys out at like a decent rate but they're giving up one point their rotation as a whole is giving up 1.9 home runs per nine in this span uh, actually, sorry, that's all season. Yeah, they're giving up 1.9 home runs per nine the entire season uh, in this span, which dates back to April 22nd. Yeah, that's almost double uh, league I average. I would imagine it's, yeah, it is 2.15. Yeah. That is the worst in baseball. Uh, they have a 640 FIP, their rotation, over the last two weeks. Uh, yeah. They have minus .6 F4 in that span as well. Yeah, and, you know, uh, in this particular span, you know, we only we've only seen one start each from Verlander and Scherzer, who are the obvious heads of that rotation. Um, Carrasco is, you know, someone you didn't want to rely on, uh, but because of the Quintana injury, you kind of sort of had to. Um, so he's not someone you necessarily wanted out there. Peterson, I don't think they necessarily wanted out there, but but they had to had to do it. Uh, Kodai Senga's been, I think he's been, doing pretty well he's like one of the only guys that's doing pretty well yeah i mean he I mean, if you look at his whole season he has a 338 era which is solid you know kind of what they signed up for but his fip is like 520 or something like that yeah so that you know we'll see we'll see how that translates over the course of the full season um but yeah like uh I, What's your what's your concern level on the Mets right now? It's definitely a concern given how the Braves are playing, uh, and I know that I think 
if if there was anything to take away from last postseason, it's that you don't really need to put that much emphasis on winning the division. You know, as long as you just get to the playoffs, it seems like you have the same shot as everyone else. Uh, so I'm not worried about the Mets missing the playoffs right now. Of course, it's possible they do. They're definitely not in a playoff spot right now. But I mean, they're what? How how close would they be to a wild card spot? Uh, not that far. Uh, if I had to, if I'm looking at it right now, I think. If the season ended today, the obviously Braves, Pirates, and Dodgers would go to the playoffs. The wild cards would be uh, the Brewers, Cubs, and uh, Padres. Or no, sorry, the the uh, no the Brewers, Diamondbacks, and Padres. And the Di- the Padres have the worst record of those teams at one one game above five hundred. The Mets are one game below. So you know there's no reason to worry about their playoff chances right now. Uh, but they are seven games out of the division. Yeah, I mean, uh, luckily that yeah, luckily they did set themselves up somewhat well in the general month of April. I, I know it, at one point they were fourteen and seven, you know, seven games above five hundred. Um, so you know, having a weird stretch like this, um, it, you know, it could be worse. However, also what should be noted, we forgot to mention, is this is not happening against the highest of competition. No, they're playing the Tigers and Rockies. Yeah, they got they got swept by the Tigers, um, you know, albeit at Comerica Park. But you know, they then they lost a series to the Rockies at you know at City Field. Yeah, you know, losing to the Rockies is one thing, but losing to the Road Rockies is <laughs> a concern. It's it's uh, yeah, it's very much a concern. Um, right, like yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, it's definitely not what the what the Mets want there. Um, yeah, I mean, a loss to the yeah, loss to the Tigers. Um, you know, lost a series to the Braves. Didn't get swept, so I guess that's a little win in itself. Also, yeah, in the stretch, lost a series to um, lost a series to the Nationals uh, at City Field. That's not that's not great either. No, you it's know? not. Nationals should, you know, projected to be a last place team. Definitely, I think are in that division. A last are, place. Yeah, they have been interesting. Yeah, um, they they haven't been as rollover a team as we would have thought so far this season. But yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, you got a pencil that's in as a series win uh, yeah. every time if you're the Mets. Yeah, and and yeah, and then where this started was the Mets had a two zero series lead on the on the Giants, but then they lost the last two. And then, uh, and then, yeah, lost a series to the Nationals, series to the Braves, swept by the Tigers, and then, and then uh, lost a series to the Rockies. So, I mean, luckily they still have an easy stretch going for the next uh, week. They have Cincinnati and Washington, uh, Washington again. Um, so, yeah, hope maybe they can get back on their feet against you know still lower competition before uh, eventually they face the Rays here on May. May 16th through 18. Mm. Um, so yeah, I kind of agree with you that, yeah, the concern level isn't too, isn't too high considering, you know, division was going to be tough. We knew. Um, so if they don't, but if they don't win the division, it's not the end of the world. I would be concerned with, with Serger and Verlander though. Um, you know, Verlander, we've obviously only seen one start, but Serger, like, I don't really think we've seen a good start out of him this season. You know what I mean? Like, I, he's pitched, what, like four or five games this year? I don't really think after one of them you've been like, yeah, that's our guy. That's the guy we signed up for. He hasn't gone deeper than sixth innings in any start, and he hasn't gone into the sixth inning since opening day. Um. Wow. Yeah. yeah. He has. So, he... 
On April 4th, he pitched five and a third and gave up five runs. Uh, only three strikeouts and two walks. Uh, and then on April 10th, he went five. Five scoreless, albeit, but I mean, still, you know, if Max, you know, you don't want Max Scherzer's best outing to be five scoreless. And then obviously the Dodgers start, he had been three scoreless and then he got ejected. Uh, and then on this most recent May 3rd start against the Tigers, one of his old teams, three and a third, eight hits, six earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts, two home runs allowed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, just looking at Savant, his average exit velocity has gone from 87.8 miles per hour to 91 po- 91.0 miles per hour. You know, over three mile per hour increase. Sweet spot rate is up 7.2 percentage points. Barrel rate is up 5.2 percentage points. Yeah, and I mean, most importantly, he's striking out less. I mean, you know, it used to be like death taxes, Max Searcher with a K per nine above 10. Yeah. Uh, now he's striking out less than one per inning as of right now. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, it, it's to the point where all that can change in one start. You know, let's say next start he goes out there, you know, six innings pitch, 10 Ks, it's over nine. Yeah. Um, you know, it's only it's only 20 strikeouts in 20, 22 and two-thirds innings, so. Right, and, and you know, just looking at his Savant page, you can see all his, all his numbers since 2015, and that strikeout rate every single year, 30% or above, except this year, where it's barely cracking 20, 20. 20.8%. Yeah. Um, so it's like 10% below normal. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm wondering what that is. Uh, it, you know, his fastball velocity is 0.9 miles per hour down from where it was last year. Which is not a crazy thing, not anything to be alarmed about. Not crazy, but you know, you can tell, you know, he's probably getting a little bit older. Um, and yeah, probably just getting, just, re- on all his pitches, getting pretty much uh, less swings and misses. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it spans over the course of, of a whole season. It's twenty-two innings out of probably like one hundred forty, one hundred fifty that we'll see this year. Maybe you know, probably more, considering the history of what Scherzer does and and uh, how far he gets into games. But yeah, so far we haven't seen that. No, we really haven't. Um, anything more on the uh, on the Mets before we move on to another team? Uh, no, I mean, that's kind of all we had, I think. So is, so one of the teams that the Mets got swept by, uh, you know, they've been kind of rolling and they've they've sort of recorrected. We were really concerned about them at the beginning of the year. We had like multiple segments on how bad yeah. they were playing. Um, you know, they lost uh, nine of their first 11 games. But uh, since then, you know, they, they kind of were treading water and then they just went on a on a five or six game win streak. It just ended yesterday, but albeit, I mean, there's still, I think now only four games back in the AL central. Um, the Detroit Tigers have, uh, have been doing pretty well. Um, they are 13 and nine in their last, um, 22 games, which isn't gonna, isn't gonna shake the earth or anything, but in the AL central, especially so far this year, you know, that can make a, that can make a mark. There's only one team above 500 in that division right now. And, uh, the Tigers as of yesterday were, uh, in second place in that division. So what if, what do you, what are you thinking about the Tigers? Yeah, I believe they still still are in second base actually. Um, I mean, I highlighted Eduardo Rodriguez last show as my, how about that? Uh, this team had, you know, their offense is kind of still, uh, doing that thing, they they have a 93 weighted runs created plus since April 13th, which was uh, when they won to become three and nine. 
Yes. Uh, so it's it's definitely been on the pitching side that they've been dominating, specifically the bullpen. Their bullpen has been uh, legitimately elite during this during this span. Uh, yeah. I know. Uh, I'm just pulling up numbers now, but I know Alex Lang had like 15.5 strikeouts per nine with like barely any walks and no home runs allowed. Yeah, the Tigers overall have eighth best ERA since April 13th, and their bullpen ERA is fourth best at 2.72. Um, and yeah, Lang is a Lang Lang is a is a probably future how about that because I didn't really know much about him, um, but like he. He has really been uh really been taking action and I forget the other guy's name who I Jason did. Foley? Uh maybe I'm I'm trying to think Garrett of, Hill? No, definitely not Garrett Hill. Um But I I just know he like had no runs allowed in his last like twelve innings or something. Will Vest. Um it might have been Will Vest. Because yeah. it was I, I remember right. it being a shorter name. Um Yeah, that's probably what it is. All these names are not that short. Yeah, Will Vest. Will Vest so far so far this year, eight and two thirds innings. Uh, no runs allowed, 10 strikeouts, three walks. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, I kind of criticized the Tigers over the offseason for letting go of uh, Soto, Jimenez, and Chafin because that, you know, the bullpen was the best part of their team. But it looks like they've kind of found their guys still. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, I want to look at the starter side of it, too. Um, oh, this is... Yeah, I mean Erod is is the most notable, and you highlighted him uh, last episode. Um, that's great. Like, and yeah, the numbers are still are the numbers still what they no, were. No one else is particularly good, as a matter of fact. Uh, Erod since April thirteenth has an 0-3-1 ERA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, no, no one else in that rotation looks particularly good, believe it or not. And yeah, as Daniel mentioned last episode, it's a lot to do with higher cutter usage, and amazing results in the cutter, like a 111 slugging against overall yeah, or something. It's funny because it's still his third most used pitch. Yeah, right, right, right. But it's it's a lot more used than it was when he was with the Red Sox. It's also funny that he has a bad up against of 159 because that was like yeah. his the biggest curse against him <laughs> in 2021. I'm glad. I'm happy for him. Yeah, happy. he deserves it. Happy it's turning around. Um, and uh, Their uh, defense actually looks very good uh, during this span particularly. Uh, they have a 4.2 defensive runs above average as a team. That's among the top in baseball. Uh, I want to see where they rank overall this year. Yeah, that's. I, I'm trying to think of who would raise... I mean, Baez is a former yeah, it's gold Baez. glove. It's Baez. Uh, overall, they have nine outs above average this year, uh, and that would be fourth best in the majors. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good Second sign. best in the AL. Yeah, that's going to help, that's gonna help uh, Erod out. 2021, they were like one of the worst, I'm pretty sure. Um. Yeah, you figure like no no Baez and uh, I don't know, Condelario was kind of yeah below average. Um. So there, it looks like it's well. I mean, I guess this makes sense because you know it's Erod, but their infield defense specifically has eight outs above average. Uh, that is fifth best in the league. Their outfield, I wouldn't imagine, is as good. Yeah, right. their, their outfield outs above average is ninth. It's still, I mean, outfield is a lot harder in general to accumulate outs above average. Um, yeah, and it doesn't consider arm no, stuff, arm doesn't. strength. Yeah, arm strength, you know, I think is highlighted a lot more as an outfielder than it is as a shortstop or third baseman. Yeah, so although, and although the Tigers' offense is still 7% below average in this span, 
I'll tell you who's turned it around since we started uh, talking mess about him is uh, Javier Baez. Yeah. Uh, since April 13th, he's hitting 347 with a 949 OPS and a 165 weighted runs created plus. Um, and yeah, I mentioned that he's always a candidate for how about that or slightly alarming. It's one or the <laughs> other. He's never kind of just, he's never kind of at just like a 105 OPS plus. He's either in the middle of being the worst hitter in baseball or being... Or carrying his team. Or yeah, yeah, carrying his team along with being a gold glove defender. One or the other. That's that's what's gonna happen. And so, and right now, uh, Javier Baez is on the is on the positive side of that. Um, and then another another notable hitter who's been doing well, um, Eric Haas, catcher. I think it's Hayes. Hayes, Eric yeah. Hayes. Uh, he is hitting three forty five with a nine fifteen OPS as well. Pretty good. Um, but yeah, you know Baez. But you know, anytime Baez can be a good offensive player, like that's gonna improve the team, no doubt about it. Um, especially when he doesn't have like a, a four weighted runs created plus. Yeah. We're not gonna drag th- not gonna be an automatic out every time. Yeah, I agree. Um <clears throat> Yeah, so so yeah, the Tigers, I don't know. How how optimistic are we about this little kind of run mini run they're having? Um, I mean, I did pick them over the Royals. Uh, to finish fourth this year. So I definitely feel good about that right now. There's seven games above Kansas City in the standings. I definitely like that they're doing this in the AL Central more than I would if they were doing this in the AL East. Uh, yeah, right. Definitely, it would, it would be sure. very irrelevant in the American League East. Yeah, I mean, they're 15 and 18, and they're three games behind the first-place Twins at 19 and 16. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I it's, it's good. You know, I, I don't hate it. Yeah, I don't hate it either. Also, uh, Tigers have the... Um, weakest strength of schedule remaining. Um, like in the whole league? In the whole league. Wow. Uh, and the White Sox are, you know, t- it, there's correlation between central teams and having the... Oh, no doubt, because they all play each other and they're all bad. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, them and the White Sox have the weakest strength of schedules remaining. Um, so, yeah, I, and when I did that opening weekend overreaction... Uh, I talked about, I I talked about my concern levels with the Tigers because they got swept in a very non-competitive series with the Rays, and I was like, you know, y- you never you never know at the at at the end of a opening series because it could be one team being really good or one team being really bad. I chose the Tigers real being really bad, and it, look at the Rays, yeah, you know, they are twenty eight and seven. <laughs> They're twenty eight and seven. Uh-huh. And the Tigers, you know, they've kind of recovered since then. They're literally yeah, five hundred since. They're then. literally five hundred since then. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess I, I guess my overreaction was going in the wrong uh, direction. I should have said the Rays are gonna be yeah. the best team in baseball. It's okay. Nolan Gorman has cooled off too. So yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all good. Um, so so yeah, th- it's optimistic and um, the the. The players you needed to bounce back are bouncing back, most notably with uh, with Eduardo Rodriguez and Javier Baez, mm-hmm. um, and they're probably still waiting on some waiting on some players. Um, yeah, Torkelson hasn't had the bounce back we're hoping for, but I still think he's doing a little bit better than last year. Um, yeah, I mean Riley Green looks decent as well. You know, he's kind of doing the little things right, playing good defense, running the bases. Yeah, he just needs to be more consistent offensively, and I think there's reason to believe that that'll come. So that's exciting. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what's crazy? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm just looking at the next team that we're about to talk about. The top four teams in the American League East since April 20th are all AL East teams. Wow. It's, f- it goes Rays, Red Sox, Orioles, Blue Jays. The top four American League teams are all AL East. That's crazy. Wow. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's a, it's a wild division. They, at some point, there needs to be a trade of like, all right, we're changing the divisions. We're, you know, if 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 every if every team's gonna face each other every year, yeah, let's just do let's just make make some switches, make things a little I more. I think the uh, I think the uh, the the three versus six in the AL playoffs this year, the six seed might be favored. <laughs> yes, like whoever wins the AL Central versus right. Oh, we have the versus like the you know the six seeded Blue Jays. We have the eighty five and seventy seven. <laughs> uh, we have the eighty five and seventy seven Twins going against the ninety eight and sixty four <laughs> Yankees. <laughs> it would be very funny if the Twins have to draw the Yankees in that scenario. Oh my God! Yeah, uh, yeah. Tar- I know they did win the series this year. It's for the first time since two, since I was a year True. old, but. But it's a different it's a yeah, different listen, book it's, in it's the store in the playoffs. They call them the T's because yeah. they don't win in the playoffs. True, 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 true. Yeah, very unfortunate. <laughs> um. So, uh, so yeah, the Tigers are not looking like a disaster, which is, I mean, it's big, way better than most AL Central teams. Um. All right. So now the last team we'll get into before uh, players to highlight is the Red Sox, who they also had a winning streak. And yesterday, you know, Sunday the the 7th, for reference. Um, But they had an eight-game win streak. Uh, They gained some ground. Uh, They are currently (laughs) fourth in the AL East at at 21 and 15. Uh, But, yes, they have, have, I think, the fifth-best record in the American League overall. Um, They have the fifth-best record in, like, baseball. Um, because right now I have Rays, Orioles, Blue Jays, Rangers, Dodgers, Braves. They have, the, they have the fifth. They have the fifth or the sixth best record in baseball. Okay. Yeah. And the fourth best record in their own division. <laughs> yeah, the AL East is just nuts. Um, yeah, the the Yankees would be one game out of the AL Central, and they're they're in last place. That's a that's a very funny image. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So. Yes, the Red Sox went on an eight-game win streak. Uh, we kind of we we talked about them for like one minute in our last episode, but yeah, I think they deserve their own segment. What are you thinking about? What are you thinking about the hometown team? Yeah, the hometown team is uh, hitting three hundred three with a three sixty one on base and a four ninety eight slugging since April twentieth. Uh, that is their last seventeen games played. They're twelve and five over such games. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot that's just going right. You know, like it's I don't know. The type of stretch where when your team gets down and you're like, well, they could come back. Yeah. Like, it just, it's it's such a weird feeling. Like, even, you know, like, I remember, you know, stretches where it's like the Red Sox would blow a game in the ninth. It's like, well, they'll still win it in the 10th. Yeah. And that's kind of the stretch that they're on right now. Uh, you obviously talked about Jaron Duran recently on How About That. Uh, but the true star of this team over the span has been Masataka Yoshida. I mean, it's no doubt. The guy is, I wish he was walking a little more, but... I'm not going to complain because he's slashing 438, 479, 750 uh, over this over his last 16 games. He has a 16-game hit streak during this time. Uh, he's been overwhelmingly the best hitter in the league uh, over this span. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know there were 
yeah, Yoshida's had like the quite the interesting like couple months of how he's been viewed in like the baseball landscape because mm-hmm. WBC was like, um, wow, I can't believe the Red Sox got him, and then the first like twelve games of this year was like, oh my god, why did the Red Sox ever get this guy? He's gonna he's a ground ball machine. He's not gonna do it. Um, and then uh, and then yeah, I mean he's been one of the best hitters in baseball over time. And shout out to us so far that AL Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Um, pick is looking for decent me, for me that player to watch as well yes yes um the craziest thing about this entire streak is they're doing it kind of without rafael devers i mean he's only hitting 227 in this span he has a 284 obp 470 slugging and four home runs don't get me wrong but overall he has a 92 weighted runs created plus you know devers is definitely the type of guy where if the red Sox are rolling he's probably at the center of it and he's not even really in the fray yeah, that's weird. Is that in his, in the last seventeen games? Yeah, the, that is in that's in this exact span. He mu- yeah he he uh, he he definitely did better on the tail end of it because during the win streak he had a nine sixty five OPS. Yeah. Um. But yeah, during the while the whole team was just doing well. Yeah, he mu- he must have had a really bad like um, eight game stretch to hold him back before the win streak. Yeah. Um, um, the funny thing, Tristan Casas has like one of the weirdest slash lines, 211, 367, 368 for a 107 weighted runs created plus. Yeah. Uh, he has a 20% walk rate. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, he, he's had some, he's, he's came very close to hitting a couple big homers, but he's hitting, he's hitting the ball a lot to center field, like high fly balls that are just, you know, being caught on the warning track. He got one yesterday. Uh, in Philly, it was also to center field. Yeah, uh, but I think I don't know. I think Casas is getting ready to cook. Yeah, no, it, he's it, so close. Because because there's things that there's there's some maturity to his hitting already. Like with the high walk rate, l- very very low chase rate. Yeah. Um, and he hits the ball hard. Uh, I know his BABIP um, is two thirty one in this span. Yeah, his BABIP just overall throughout the season has been bad, and some of that has been a slightly poor batted ball profile, but some of that has been bad luck too. Um, that's yeah, for I mean, sure. He's never, he's never really had a great batted ball profile since he got called up last year. I know yeah. he had a lot of ground. He had a two degree launch angle last year, hit a lot of ground balls and a lot of pop-ups too this year. Uh, he does have a, he does look a lot better. 36% ground ball rate, 33% fly ball rate. It's just, he doesn't really have the exit velocity to go specifically with the fly balls. Yeah, uh, yeah. And they're also like the high fly balls that don't technically qualify as pop-ups. He does also have a 9.5% pop-up rate too. What's his uh sweet spot rate? His sweet spot rate is 14.8 or no, sorry, that's his launch angle. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh 28.6%. So yeah, still uh, not good. B- below average, you know, yeah. 4.4 percentage points below average. Um but yeah, he's a he's a young young player. I think he's 23 right now. Yes, he is. Um you know, getting adjusted and He's still, you know, the best first base option they have unless they wanted to do some moving around and put Turner at first. But even, you know, Turner during this win streak was not, he wasn't the guy that was uh, was helping out. Some more players to mention. Uh, I went with stats, with looking up stats for this, uh, for the Red Sox, I looked specifically at the streak. During the win streak, they hit 341 with a 943 OPS and a 157 weighted runs created plus. All those led the league. Uh, they also... Very notably, had a 16.5% strikeout rate. That was the best in the league. I feel like with the Red Sox, you know, historically, we haven't looked at them as like a low strikeout rate team. Um, But so far, so 
But in that win streak, they had a very, very low strikeout rate. Uh, Connor Wong, ARR alum Connor Wong, yes. uh, has a had a 1,000 slugging in that uh, eight-game win streak and a 303 weighted runs created plus. He and was so close to having a three-home run game. Yes. Yeah. He hit two home runs and then hit like a double high off the monster that would have been gone at like certain parks because it was kind of a line drive. Yeah, it was probably gone at like 29 out of 30. Um, I can check. But uh, but yeah, 22 no, plate appearances. So great saying I can check. Yes, 22 plate appearances with a 1,000 slugging. Alex Verdugo also just overall having a really good year. Um, but in, during that win streak in eight games, 31 plate appearances, hit 385 with a 1292 OPS. Um, his, his walk rate is also seems to be increasing, which is a very good sign. And he's hitting the ball in the air. Hitting the ball more in the air. You know, he had a, over a 50% ground ball rate in 2021. The, um, Connor, the Connor Wong double was gone in 12 ballparks, hmm. so including yeah. Rogers Center. They were playing the Blue Jays at the time. Yep, yep. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, Yoshida... 429 average and a 1250 OPS and that I think his span probably looked better in 17 games than it did in eight. Uh, and then uh, Rafael Devers, Jaron Duran and and Manuel Valdez all had 900 plus OPSs in 25 plus plate appearances in the uh, during the Red Sox eight game win streak. So the offense looked offense looked amazing. That's for sure. Um, I think their you know their biggest question mark is. Pitching, specifically the starting rotation, um, I mean, I don't know. They're, they're still kind of figuring that out. It's weird. Uh, but Chris Sale has had glimpses of greatness for sure. Um, but, yeah, I, and Corey Kluber, there's a big question mark on that. I don't know if he's necessarily that, you know. I have no idea what this rotation looks like in a week, in a month, after the trade deadline maybe in October if they get there. I have no clue. Yeah. Like, I don't know who's starting game one. I don't know who's starting game two, game three, game four. Nope. nope. There's not a single person I can be confident in right now. Nope, not at all. Which not is at all. fun. But at least, at least they're swinging the bat right now. Yeah. And bullpen, uh, bullpen looks solid as well. Yeah. Um, Shout out to... It, it is funny going from Dombrowski to Bloom where, like, it goes from no bullpen construction whatsoever to like all, all, bull, it, yeah. all bullpen. Uh, Kenley Jansen has looked fantastic all year, but uh, in this span, uh, he did only pitch four and two thirds innings because they scored so many runs they didn't need him. Am I right? <laughs> uh, but he had 13.5 strikeouts per nine, 1.93 walks per nine, no home runs allowed. Uh, Josh Winkowski, he's a guy that I've liked for a while and I'm, I'm glad to see him finally doing it in relief. A one ERA over the span of 2.46 FIP. Uh, Chris Martin came back from injury and has looked good in a few appearances as well, as lo- along with you know John Schreiber, uh, who looked good uh, last year. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of most of the bullp- the bullpen stuff. Yep, and uh, yeah, Red Sox got Braves on the road for two games, and then uh, they come back to Fenway. They face St. Louis, and we'll see them for a game. We will. Um, and yeah, who knows who knows what version of the Cardinals we'll see there. Um, but if they are seeing the version that's played so far in 2023, that's a good series to, you know, good series for the Red Sox for sure. Yeah. And then uh, Seattle, San Diego, Angels, and Diamondbacks. So that's a interesting, interesting tough stretch. Long yeah. te- looks like a 
All those teams are over 500, except for the Mariners. Are the Mariners 500? They are exactly 500 after yeah. winning a series against the Astros. Looks like a nine-game West Coast road trip. And they could have swept. The Mariners could have swept that series too. The one game they lost was an in extra innings. Uh, Matt Brash came in and gave up a home run to Kyle Tucker in the tenth. Yep. Yep. And they ran the bases really weirdly. By the way, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but there was this really weird rundown in the Yankees Rays game. Uh, I did see that. Yeah, the one with Aaron Hicks. Yeah. Yeah. It. <laughs> it was like. Yeah, because he he just stopped in the middle of the baseline, but there was no tag. Yeah, applied because I saw it and I was like, well, he didn't tag him, so this play is still going. Because yeah, normally after that you expect an out call, but there was just no. Well, because uh, I think it was Ryan Thompson who was pitching. Like he got hurt applying the tag. I think it was Cle- or, Clevenger. It was Garrett Clevenger. You're absolutely right. Ryan Thompson pitched earlier. Yeah, Garrett. It's I think it is Clevenger actually. I know it. Yeah, it it's a weird like spelling. But Garrett Clevenger got hurt not applying the tag because uh, he like tripped over Hicks or something. So he kind of got distracted while the ball was just loose. Uh, and then I, I forget who was fielding, but uh, the guy like had to flip to the catcher to get the out because Hicks kind of just stopped in the middle of it. Thinking yeah, he was tagged when he wasn't. Right. Uh, which, I mean, had he scored, it only would have been a tie game. Uh, at, at the end of the tenth, because the Rays uh, ultimately walked it off in the tenth, but you don't know. I mean, the Yankees. You know, I, I said that the Rays series was going to be make or break for them. They could have, technically, they could have won all three games, but they really should have won on Sunday. They were up six nothing, and Garrett Cole uh, was left out too long. You know, obviously, a lot of a lot of baseball fans love to jump on. You know, clowning on Garrett Cole, but he shouldn't have been in as long as he was. Right, yeah, he was he was kind of, although he was he was cruising through five, five, and then five, four, five, and then a catastrophic inning. Yeah, um, gave up his first two home runs of the year. Yep, yep. So his his uh, it ballooned his home runs per nine to point three. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, poor uh, poor team Corey. Shout out to the F four league. Yes. Um, all right, uh. We'll get into players to highlight? Yeah. All right. So now we will get into uh, the part we've most prepared for players to highlight. We'll start with the good with the, uh, with the the good vibes with our Monday, May 8th, 2023 edition of... How about that? Uh, who do you have for us today? So my how about that uh, was traded over the offseason to his current team. And I think he was probably the most forgettable player in that trade. No disrespect to him, but I'm talking about Lord Escuriel Jr., mm. uh, who has been killing it for the Diamondbacks lately. Dating back to April 12th, he is slashing 365, 427, 629 for a 1075 OPS and 189 weighted runs created plus. All of those rank in the top 10 among qualifiers. Uh, before the span, he had a strikeout rate in 2023 of 21.4%, and in the span, it is down to 10.9% the 13th lowest in the majors. Uh, He currently has a career low overall in strikeout rate at 14.5% and a career high in walk rate at 7.3%. So he is, you know, striking out less, walking more. Uh, One thing about him is that he has sinker immunity. His uh, ground ball rate against sinkers this year is 50%, which sounds like a lot, but it's actually 4% below the average for this year. Uh, But the non-ground balls he has against sinkers include three home runs, a triple, a double, and a single. And also three of the ground balls he has are singles, so he is absolutely raking against them this year. 
He leads all of Major League Baseball with a seven run value against sinkers, which means that uh, he's produced approximately seven runs given the results he's had against them. That leads the majors. And he is seventh among the 279 hitters with at least 10 plate appearances against sinkers in run value per 100 with 6.8. That means for every 100 sinkers he's seen, given the results, he's producing about 6.8 runs. And that is his seventh highest among 279. And on that same list, he ranks 10th in batting average against sinkers with 450, fourth in slugging with a 1050, and fifth in Woba with a 633. Uh, the Diamondbacks are, you know... Hanging on to the, uh, not they're not at the top of the NL center, or NL West anymore, but you know they're hanging on to uh, a so far pretty good season. You know they had high expectations, and you know I don't know how much they were expecting out of Lourdes, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. this year, but they've been getting some fantastic production out of him offensively. Yeah, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. How about that? How about that? Um. So yeah. Uh, yeah, the di- yeah, there's there's been a couple there's been a few uh Diamondbacks hitters that have been very very hot just noticed in the leaderboards. Yeah. However, uh um I'm not doing a Diamondback luckily crossing a different team off the list here. Nice. Um I'm going with a I don't know if I've done a, a a pitcher how about that so far this year. So this might be my first wow. one of the year. Um I'm talking about a guy who I've grown a very very high fascination with. I've done uh, a sports a seminar and sports analytics nice, project yeah. on him. Um, and he's having another interesting year for very different reasons. I'm talking about Alex Cobb, uh, the winner of the short end award from 2022. Uh, unanimous winner, too. Unanimous winner. Uh, through 40 and a third innings pitch, he has a 201 ERA, 216 ERA plus, uh, which means he's 116% above average. And uh, he also has a 2.96 FIP. Uh, Out of 76 qualifiers, his ERA ranks 5th, and FIP ranks 13th. Also, full full season sample, by the way. Uh, His walk rate is also 5th lowest out of 76. Uh, Cobb has a 62.6% ground ball rate, 19.5% line drive rate, 26.0% sweet spot rate, and a negative 1.2 average launch angle against. Out of 77 pitchers with 100-plus batted balls against this year, his ground ball rate is second highest, line drive rate is sixth lowest, sweet spot rate is third lowest, and average launch angle is the lowest. Uh, Along with that, uh, so this is where it gets kind of weird with Cobb. So out of uh, 76 qualifiers, his left on base rate is fifth highest. Um, And a lot of the time, you know, left left on base rate can... be seen as a luck statistic, which rightfully so, a lot of the times it is. Um, but Cobb is not having these stranded runners necessarily because of batted ball luck. It's not because he has a low bat up against with runners in scoring position. In fact, it's only 280. Uh, this is just because Cobb really ramps it up with runners in scoring position. With runners in scoring position, Alex Cobb has a 38.6% strikeout rate. It's wow. unbelievable. Wow. <laughs> Cobb is not a big strikeout guy, no, but with not. runners in scoring position so far this year, a 38.6% strikeout rate. That like usually leads the league over a full season. <laughs> and uh, out of 39 pitchers with 40-plus batter- batters faced with runners in scoring position this year, his strikeout rate with runners in scoring position ranks second, only 0.2 percentage points behind Hunter Green. Uh, and also... Cobb has a 34.1% strikeout minus walk rate in that situation, which is the highest out of 39. 
Uh, also, the batted ball profile looks better with runners in scoring position for Alex Cobb. With runners in scoring position, he has an 80% ground ball rate and an 8% line drive rate. And out of 58 per- pitchers with 25-plus batted balls against with runners in scoring position, his ground ball rate is the highest by 17 percentage points, and his line drive rate is second lowest. So Alex Cobb, he, his numbers are kind of weird. He has like a his expected ERA is in the upper threes, but it's not because the difference isn't because there's a lot of batted balls that should be hits that are landing as outs. It's because he's stranding a lot of runners. And the reason he's stranding a lot of runners is because he's striking out so many guys that he's uh, facing with runners in scoring position. And the funny thing is, is I looked at what his strikeout rate was when there weren't runners in scoring position or yeah, in any other situation. Uh, and that was uh, it's like 16.9%. So he more than doubles his strikeout rate with runners in his really position. It's, it's weird. It's probably, you know, it's definitely not going to keep going this way at all. But it's a funny thing to point out. And uh, along with that, great numbers, 201 ERA, which is fifth in baseball. Uh, really, really good. So Alex Cobb, for a variety of weird reasons, um, getting a... How about that? Pretty cool. Um, yeah, he, he always has some weird stuff going on. Um, God bless him. Uh, all right. So now we go from the highs to lows. We're talking players and subjects that have been underperforming with our, uh, May 8th, 2023 edition of slightly alarming. Who do you have for us today? So my slightly alarming, um, he's made six starts this year, uh, and because he's struggled pitching he does not qualify for the era title uh talking about john gray who is starting tonight so he'll probably be qualifying after tonight but he currently has an era of 440 but that doesn't do it justice because he has a fip of 6.22 uh which is the fourth worst among uh, the 108 pitchers with at least 30 innings pitched this year he has 5.58 strikeouts per nine 4.11 walks per nine and 1.76 home runs per nine None of those are good. Yeah. Like those are the three true outcomes. He is doing none of them well. Yep. He, yep. He's, you know, he's got two of the two, three true outcomes down, walks and home runs, but not so much in strikeouts. Uh, so that's a problem. His K, his K rate minus walk rate has gone from 18.2% last year to just 3.8% in 2023. Uh, a le- and a lot of the reason why he's been struggling, uh, specifically both with batted balls and with strikeout to walk has been his four-seam fastball, which he throws about 47% of the time. 11% of his fastballs have been in game day zone five, which means they've been right down the middle. That is the fifth highest rate among the 67 pitchers with at least 200 four-seamers thrown this year. His four-seamer also has a 13.3% barrel rate uh, on 45 batted balls against it. Uh, it is never above 7.1% in any season, so he's almost doubled doubled his career high so far. Uh, lastly, his outside swing percent has gone down 3% from last year. His zone contact rate has been has gone up by 6%, and his called strike and whiff rate has gone down by 3%. So, in essence... Uh, hitters are chasing less. They're making more contact on competitive pitches for them to hit, and ultimately he is just not getting as many uh, balls and strikes on his side. Uh, so John Gray, uh, it's tough to have been finding what he's been doing well uh, in the start of this season. Uh, yeah, John. 
uh, John Gray of the Texas Rangers getting a slightly alarming. Um, and yeah, I know when they acquired him, you know the being a Rockies, you know he was a Rockies pitcher before this year. Being a Rockies pitcher always before has its, year. or yeah, before last year, um, being a Rockies player has being a Rockies pitcher always has its weird things. Um, but he always had decent strikeout to walk numbers. So yeah. those strikeout the the strikeout rate being below six per nine and the walk rate being above four per nine, um, that okay. that is alarming. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, slightly alarming. I, I for how about that? I did a San Francisco Giants starting pitcher for uh, slightly alarming. I'm doing a San Francisco Giants starting pitcher, and I'm <laughs> talking about Ross Stripling, uh, who they acquired for. Uh, two years, I think twenty six million, twenty five, or yeah, twenty five million maybe. Um, but you know, you know, it was a decent free agent signing. Uh, he had a low th- ERA in the low threes last year, but this year, um, he is not looking great. Ross Stripling in twenty five and two thirds innings pitch has a six point six six ERA, six point six three FIP, and a seven point two nine expected ERA. Uh, out of 148 pitchers with 20 plus innings pitched this year, his ERA is 16th worst and his FIP is sixth worst. And out of 117 pitchers with 80-plus batted balls this year, his expected slugging is 6th worst, and his expected WOBA is 4th worst out of 117, you know, bottom 4% pretty much right there. And uh, Ross Stripling's average exit velocity overall has gone from 88.9 miles per hour last year to 90.2 miles per hour this year. Barrel rate has gone from 9.2% to 12.9%. And his sweet spot rate has gone from 34.7% to 42.4%. Hitters are able to get or able to hit the ball at better angles, so he's not being as deceptive as he needs to be uh, in order to get you know more ground balls, more pop-ups, uh, all that stuff. Also, Ross Stripling's line drive rate has gone from 24% to 31%, and his pop-up rate has gone from 8% to 2%. Pop-ups are... You know, they're hard to get, but they're the best forms of contact to get. Uh, hitters hit and slug like 010, 020 on, on pop-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ross Stripling is getting about a quarter, getting them at about a quarter of the rate as he was last year. Um, Ross Stripling's top three pitches used are a slider, four-seamer, and changeup. And hitters are slugging at least 515 on every single one of those pitches. Uh, on his slider particularly, hitters have a 92.5 mile per hour average exit velocity and a 641 expected slugging. Out of 44 pitchers with 25 plus batted balls against on sliders, his average exit velocity against them is fourth highest and his expected slugging against is second highest. Uh, so Ross Stripling allowing, uh, allowing a lot harder contact, uh, not being as deceptive as he needs to be. Uh, they're barreling, barreling the ball up against him. Um, you know, a, a FIP of 663 is just never going to be good at any point ever. So, uh, yeah, Ross Stripling so far in 2023. Slightly alarming. Um, Heck yeah. All right, that does it for uh, players to highlight. Uh, now we will get into the uh, final segment of the show, previewing the week ahead. I will be looking at the series to watch. Daniel will be looking at the day-by-day matchups. And by the looks of it, most of the series uh, will be starting today. There's a good amount of good amount of Monday games. You can't always be uh, getting that. Um, so for, uh, for series to watch, um, I will 
start out by pointing out probably I think the maybe I'll maybe I'll do what you do and I'll save the best matchup for uh for the end. Fair enough. There's a two game series between the Braves and the Red Sox. Red Sox, as we mentioned, um are, you know, one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. Braves have been one of the best overall teams in baseball. Or actually, yeah, I think they have the best record right now in baseball. Do they? The uh, Braves, that would be the Rays, right? Oh wait, uh the best record in the National League. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about the Rays. Um <laughs> but uh but yeah, you you got Braves Red Sox at Truist Park for two. Um Brewers Dodgers at American Family Field. I believe that's a, a three game or four game series. Um that should be a uh that should be a good matchup. Brewers, you know, probably at this point should be like favorites for the NL Central considering how bad the Cardinals are playing and considering also the way the Pirates are trending, we knew they were probably going to fall out of first place anyway. Uh, and then uh, another good series to watch is Angels-Astros. Um, Angels are ahead of the Astros in the standings. Uh, a lot of star power there from both sides. Um, also Mariners-Rangers, uh, that's a good AL West matchup to go with To go with that. Rangers ahead in the standings, but Mariners are probably a better team. Um, and then uh, the the series to watch of the week is uh, Orioles Rays at Camden Yards. Uh, you got two of the best, two of the best uh, team, two of the best teams in baseball based on results so far this year. Twenty-two and twelve Orioles versus twenty-eight and seven Rays. That's going to be a great, uh, a great competitive series, most likely if it keeps going the way um, it has been. All right, what do you got for the day by day matchups? So on Monday. Uh, you have a couple of young guys going in uh, Tigers-Guardians. Joey Wentz versus Tanner Bybee. Uh, Bybee looked really good in his last start against the Yankees and his, his two starts overall. Uh, Kyle Freeland and Mitch Keller will go against each other in uh, Rockies-Pirates at PNC. Uh, you will have Shane McClanahan and Kyle Gibson facing each other in Rays-Orioles at Camden. Uh, J.P. Sears versus Nestor Cortez. J.P. Sears was a former Yankee, traded in the Frankie Montas trade. Uh, Miles Michaelis and Marcus Stroman will go against each other in Cardinals Cubs at Wrigley. Dylan Cease and Zach Granke will go against each other in White Sox Royals at Kauffman Stadium. Tony Gonsolin and Freddie Peralta will go against each other in Dodgers Brewers at American Family Field. Uh, my slightly alarming John Gray will be facing the Mariners uh, at T-Mobile Park facing Logan Gilbert. Zach Gallen will be facing his former team, the Miami Marlins, tonight in Arizona. You're going to want to watch just for Zach Gallen alone. And matchup of the night comes from Angels and Astros in Anaheim. Hunter Brown versus Patrick Sandoval. Yeah, yeah. Two uh, guys that are worth watching for sure. Yeah, Brown Brown definitely emerging. Sandoval uh, kind of established himself as a really good pitcher last year. Uh, in on Tuesday, Shane Bieber will be facing the Tigers in Cleveland. Shane Bieber absolutely owns the Tigers. He like just completely dominates them every time he pitches against them. So that's cool. Zach Eflin and Grayson Rodriguez are facing each other in Rays, Orioles, and Camden. Max Serger will be facing the Reds for the Mets, looking to turn it around. Uh, Nick Pavetta and Charlie Martin will face each other in Red Sox Braves in Atlanta. Uh, Jamison Tyon will face the Cubs for the card or face the Cardinals for the Cubs. Excuse me. Um, Lucas Giolito will be facing the White Sox. Or will be facing the Royals for the White Sox. Um, Noah Syndergaard and Eric Lauer will be facing each other in Dodgers and Brewers. Uh, Alec Manoa and Eric 
and Aaron Nola will go against each other for Blue Jays Phillies. That's an interesting one for sure. Um, Andrew Heaney and George Kirby will face each other in Rangers Mariners. Jesus Lazardo and Brandon Fodd will face each other in Marlins Diamondbacks. Fodd made his debut last week. Logan Webb will be facing the Nationals for the Giants in San Francisco. And matchup of the night once again comes from Astros Angels. It's Framber Valdez versus Shohei Otani. Yeah. That one kind of goes without saying. Those are two guys that will probably get Cy Young votes. Yes. Um, and I think I already have. Um, probably, yeah. Uh, what are you looking at for Wednesday? So on Wednesday, you got Antonio Sanzatella versus Rich Hill in Rockies and Pirates. You have Eduardo Rodriguez facing the Guardians for the Tigers. He's become worth watching. Clayton Kershaw and Wade Miley, a couple of lefties facing each other in Dodgers Brewers. Luis Castillo will be going for the Mariners against the Rangers. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, you will have Edward Cabrera going for the Marlins against the Diamondbacks. Josiah Gray and Sean Manaya facing each other in Nats Giants. Christian Javier and Griffin Canning in Astros Angels. Uh, you'll have Verlander and Hunter Green going against each other in uh, Mets Reds. That's pretty cool. Yeah, little, that is very cool. A little passing of the torch. Yeah, <laughs> Brian Bayo will be going for the Red Sox against the Braves. Jordan Montgomery and Justin Steele, newly acquired Justin Steele on my F4 team. Very excited for his Team Daniel debut on Wednesday. Yeah. Seth Lugo and Pablo Lopez will face each other in Padres Twins. Uh, Lance Lynn and Brad Keller will face each other in. White Sox and Royals. The fact that there is no games after 7.40 on Wednesday is pretty offensive. What am, yeah. I, what am I supposed to do that night? Matchup I'm going to write to my congressman. Yeah. Matchup of the afternoon comes from Blue Jays, Phillies. It is Kevin Gosman versus Zach Wheeler. Ooh, that's fun for me. Yeah, I know you'll be watching <laughs> that one. I will definitely be watching that one, both on my F4 team. Yeah, the only two pitchers on your F4 team as of this uh, Yeah, the moment. only two healthy starting pitchers, yes. <laughs> because Jacob deGrom, unfortunately, yeah. uh, cannot be there. That is, I'm, I feel like I'm just going to skip Thursday. Not a lot is announced. All right. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Thursday, you know, it's it's just a teaser of Friday anyway. Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, but it, SCTV3 between at September and May, and May they air on Thursdays, so that's yeah. that's that's a reason to look out for Thursdays. Yes. Um, all right, so that does it for um, this installment of Above Replacement Radio. We hope you enjoyed this one. Um, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch our digital content, which will uh, be getting up and running, we will soon be a, a full video podcast since we will be leaving Springfield College campus soon. Yeah. Uh, go check out the YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Um, if you're listening on YouTube and want to uh, just catch the audio, go to uh, Above Replacement Radio on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's where we are. And uh, we hope you enjoyed... Or yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Giants. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Current, and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. We hope to see you. Uh, yeah, and we hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you next time where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. We will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>